You're listening to the AFL Unlimited podcast, where we tackle all the hot topics in the AFL and bring you up to speed with everything you need to know in the football landscape. We'll take a look at this weekend's games and have some mixed discussion about what to expect. Let's head up to the box for the opening bounce. The Demons claim the top billing title fight, but another challenger beckons in the coming days. Meanwhile, the Baby Bombers claimed a massive victory out west against a poor Eagles team whose lapses have cost them dearly this season. And speaking of lapses, the Blues again failed to finish as a rampant Sydney stormed home to clinch a strong ring at home. It was a week in football as we head into the buys. Boys, welcome. Good to not be here again. <laughs> hi, hi, everyone. Um, good to see you on the internet again. Um, speaking of lapses, uh, they still can't contain COVID correctly in Victoria, so we're locked down again. How good? Absolutely. Yeah, we, are, we are once again a virtual entity. And Chuck, there's a little bit of news happening this week, but uh, tell us what you got. Well, you already brought it up, Tears, but COVID struck and has, has put a lot of chaos in the AFL world. You know, games being relocated, coaches subsequently getting very angry about it, all this sort of stuff going on. Um, and no crowds again, which, you know, wasn't that great, guys. What? How do you think, you know, clubs handle it or will handle it? Do you think anyone's going to be a bit iffy about it? They've had to obviously endure it already. And at least they have the experience in the past of what, what they have done. So the teams that have previously dealt with it well will obviously benefit the most. The teams that had real difficulty with it last year are going to have that same pain again. And they're going to have to rejig to uh, I suppose a successful system dealing with COVID and then potentially you know being in hubs and that kind of stuff so it's quite unfortunate I think it was inevitable anyway but um, it's never easy when when you sort of get told cool we're we're locking down for a bit and teams have got to go here there and everywhere for potentially only a week or even weeks on end so um, all all a bit of unknown at this stage but hopefully we can get to the bottom of it and uh, be back to semi-normal soon. It's it really uh, it really makes football suck when there's not a crowd at the game, doesn't it? Like we all watched, obviously the Geelong Collingwood game. It's probably the worst game of the week and probably the worst game all year, to be honest. But it really just hammers home that point when the crowd isn't there, and it really, you know, lets you know that the crowd and the fans is what makes football what it is. Spot on. Yeah, I felt it was very tough to watch without a crowd. And the artificial noise, if it wasn't for that, would be even worse to watch. So um, it's not obviously the same as having a crowd there. It's just it's just a bit soulless seeing empty seats around. Yeah, ideally. And I don't think it was just a case of the crowd. I was going to bring that up, um, whether you thought it was the crowd. But really, just the level of play just seemed to be a subpar level in, in a fair few of these games. Like, I think we actually struggled to find some of our best games for this week. But, you know, it's not great to see poor performances and fans don't like to see it. But, you know, hopefully things will turn around after the break. Maybe we'll see. Definitely wasn't one for the ages, that's for sure. And there was definitely, I think, one game that sort of stood out, which we'll obviously discuss, um, you know, throughout the reviews and when we're going through uh, round 11. But... Yeah, definitely wasn't a lot to um, like. And I mean, yeah, it, it's very tough on the players. And um, I suppose anyone that's in the AFL stratosphere uh, would have been a yeah, very tough week and tough news hearing in. So hopefully it all picks up again soon and, uh, you know, a bit, a bit better footy in the coming weeks. Yeah. To, to move on to a bit of footy, we'll get to it. Brody Grundy had a bit of an innocuous one with, with a neck injury. 
um, in, a, in a bit of a spoiling contest with uh, Reece Stanley, I believe. He he went down. People weren't sure. They thought it was his wrist or his shoulder, but no, he ended up actually heading to hospital with a neck injury. He's, he's been cleared of some serious damage, but uh, he's probably set to miss two to three or four weeks. Anyway, um, what did you think of that one, guys? Well, it's funny because I was speaking to our other host or somewhat host, Shorty, uh, before the game in, in regards to a super coach context. And I informed him that I'd changed my super coach captain away from Grundy. And he said, why'd you do that? And I just responded back, Stanley kills Grundy. And in this instance, he did and uh, nearly broke his neck and he pinched, <laughs> pinched a nerve. And it looked like he'd done a shoulder in that instance, Chuck, as you mentioned, it was pretty innocuous, but um I think he's going to be out for a couple of weeks here and it's a big blow for Collingwood because he has been one of their shining lights this year, Tiz. And in, in regards to the context of the game and of the season, that's a massive blow. Yeah, well, they're already traveling pretty badly and I suppose Grundy makes it even a bit worse. But I wonder how many weeks free Stanley will get because of an injury caused as a result of uh, his actions. Uh, it, it seems that the MRO over. only care about the, the result and the outcome rather than the actual intent. So oh, I'm surprised Stanley didn't get uh, four weeks for that, but um, <laughs> nah, very tough on the pies and they're already having their own struggles um, and their absolute heavyweight and Grundy going down is uh, definitely going to hurt the, any aspirations of getting some more yeah, wins on the board. Help them at the halfway point of the year. And as we are basically at the halfway point and we have teams struggling and we have some thriving, there's a chance to revisit some of our early predictions uh, from the beginning of the year and, and what we're thinking now, so St Kilda was a team that I thought was going to be rising and I, I can honestly say I think I was dead dead wrong with that and that they are off the face of the earth now. Um, <laughs> I think it's Fremantle as a team that could shock and surprise and they're actually looking really well. And, and it makes me wonder, what are you guys reflecting on, on your picks from early in the year? What are you scraping off? What are you saying? I've still got a hot chance and... And, and just in general context, who do we think is going to, you know, be a contender for the flag and, and who outside the eight has a chance? Go for it, Langs. Thank you, Tyson, for your kind patience. Um, yeah, definitely Fremantle, obviously they lost this week, but I think in general, um, Freo have been pretty promising again and hopefully they can continue that towards the end of the year. I think I said the Giants were going to be my sliders this year and they're sort of just hovering at the moment, although they have certainly improved their form in recent weeks. My Coleman tip in Jeremy Cameron went out the window before the season had even started. But uh, if I want to salvage anything out of that, um, Jeremy Cameron, I think he's the third or fourth highest averaging for goals. So let's just say if he was playing the whole season, he definitely would have been in for a chance. But um, yeah, I don't think anyone was, was tipping Melbourne and the Bulldogs, especially to be um, contending for a flag. Uh, at this point in the year or at all. But um, yeah, certainly a, a pretty open race this year, which is good. So a lot can happen probably in the next six weeks. We'll know for sure who's really in that top four category. Tyson. Nice one, Langs. Yes, uh, I didn't have any crazy predictions. Obviously, a lot of us thought the pies would go down and probably didn't think they'd go down right to the bottom. But uh, they have... Uh, I predicted, predicted uh, three men would probably go up a little bit. It could be a chance for the eight. Um, I tipped the Bombs to be eighth, and I think that's where they're sitting right this very second. I, I doubt they'll stay there, but um, we'll, we'll wait and see how, how that goes and depends on, obviously, on a lot of other teams and 
and how they go about it as well. I think Tom Lynch was my Coleman and he, he just, he's out for ages now and he can't seem to kick too many goals. Um, yeah. At the moment he's probably, he's playing a really good role, definitely marking the footy, but, and providing a contest, but just hasn't hit the scoreboard like he has in the past. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think premiership wise. I went Richmond. I still think they can win it. Um, that, yeah, they, they respond, responded pretty well on the weekend. So yeah, a couple of uh, interesting selections there, but, uh, I suppose who can win it right now, Brisbane, Melbourne, the Bulldogs, and uh, potentially even the Cats probably look to be the prime candidates right this very second. Um, you can probably throw Richmond in there because they just, they're like cockroaches and just never die as per Lang's, uh, yes, uh, description, identification of that. <laughs> it's a great point to bring up, Chuck, because during the week, uh, Shorty is going to be going more in depth to the contenders and pretenders of this season so far. So that will go very well. Uh, into that conversation. So make sure you listen to Shorty's take on Thursday morning and he'll go much uh, further into depth into that conversation. Oh, nice little segue there to push it through to him. I, I, I'm pretty confident. I'm pretty glad about my predictions of uh, Tex and Harry Mackay leading the Coleman. I think I said that. Right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> I actually had Charlie Dixon and that's obviously has not uh, worked out too well there. I think the only one I'm kind of looking at is I had West Coast as a slider. They're still sitting around seventh, but um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really confident. I think, you know, the way they've, they're copping a bit of flack now from a few fans and, and um, the media. So maybe a my prediction might. I reckon that, that will be spot on by the end of the year, Chalk West Coast. I think this week will be a big test and we'll talk about the team they're playing against a little bit later on. But yeah, they're, I was talking to someone else during the week. They have got a lot of senior players and I wouldn't be surprised if they do a bit of a shuffle around with their list towards the end of this year if things don't uh, go well for them for the rest of the year. But they're still not guaranteed to make the eight. So I'll, I'll have to put my hand up there as well. I have West Coast on top of the ladder. So, yeah, um, you did too. You don't, you don't get them all right. I thought yep. you know, at home they'll win most of their games and they'll be a better team. Tim Kelly and Nick Nat in the same team also hasn't really been a feature, uh, I suppose, of late with um, some injury and COVID-related uh, issues and whatnot. But, yeah, I'll put my hand up for that one. <laughs> Personally apologise to all the fans out there. <laughs> and we we sure the very best. Them. Thank you very much from Soul Heart. And I had the cats up there for the flag, so I'm still yeah, that's crossing cool. fingers and hoping they can get there. Absolutely. Um, in regards to the round that was, it wasn't a fantastic week of football, but it certainly meant a lot more for a lot of people out there. Obviously, it was the Sir Doug Nichols Indigenous round of football, and it really should be the Sir Doug Nichols Indigenous Festival as it goes over two weeks now, apparently, which is great, I think, but no one knew about it. Um, one thing that I wanted to touch on in the untouched moment of the week for AFL Unlimited was in fact a touching moment in itself. We saw two of the greatest ever Indigenous players in Buddy Franklin and Eddie Betts play in the same game against each other in the Indigenous round this year, which I thought was fantastic timing and um, two players who will go down in history as, as two of the greatest Indigenous players and they're still going. They're still kicking incredible goals. Eddie Betts, you know, was crumbing and looking dangerous in the forward line. And Buddy is inching closer towards a thousand goals. I just thought it was an awesome moment to um, see both of them playing. And I think this is probably Betts last year and it could potentially be Buddy's last year as well. Tiz, I don't know what you think about how he's going, but he might have one more year left in him. But it was just awesome to see, guys, these two awesome players um, for their respective teams um, doing what they do best and it's been a privilege to see them play 
the majority of their career. Yeah, definitely. And you say two of the greatest Indigenous players. I think many would argue two of the greatest players full stop yep. to play the game. Absolutely. Those two, uh, in terms of their positions. Um, fantastic. And, and yeah, it, it's, it's funny you say that about potentially Buddy's last year. I believe it was just last week that there was uh, murmurings of him saying he, he thought he could play on beyond 2022. Uh, which is when his contract is set to end. But yep. that'd be pretty wild to think that a bloody nearly 40-year-old buddy is still going to be running around kicking snacks. He's been uh, in pretty decent form when he has been on the park. And if he stays healthy, Langs, uh, definitely he'll probably be looking at, I suppose, another season. I think, yeah, the contract expires end of 2022. But he'll, he'll be very keen to uh, try and win another flag with the Swans. And he'll be very keen to get that 1,000 goal mark, um, probably the last time it'll ever happen in the history of humans. So um, I'd be I'd be incredibly shocked if anyone got anywhere near um, cracking that 1,000 mark again. He literally, they just need to re-sign his left leg for the 2023 season and just yes. like roll it out on like a little like cart and just put it in the goal square and we can just handball <laughs> the ball and just bounce it off his foot if he's on like, it'd be terrible if he was on like, 993 goals at the end of this season or something and or next year or it'll be really unfortunate but um tis i believe you have the first ball taking us away with the melbourne versus bulldogs game you know it'll be really cool lengths yes tyson if if buddy's on 999 round round 23 <laughs> brennan favola comes on and oh. <laughs> just absolutely <laughs> decked him. just knocks him out <laughs> Clarko comes up as his old coach and like puts Brian Lake on him or something. This is for 2008, mate. <laughs> 2008 revisited and that would just be absolutely cruel. But uh, yeah, we had uh, an interesting game on the Friday night, Melbourne and the Western Bulldogs. It was Melbourne by 28 points in a nice win for them. A massive opening turn from the D's uh, helped set up a big win for them. And they've got their 10th win of the season on the board. And um I tell you what, I've got some merchandise for almost ten and zero for for the D. So I've been uh, getting right up amongst that uh, chook, as per Titus O'Reilly's uh, <laughs> gags on the front bar. Um, that beating the dogs at Marble was a tough assignment. I honestly thought, and I think um, a lot of us would have been pretty comfortable saying the dogs would probably win. But um, Melbourne have previously had some issues winning at Marble. However, they were up for the challenge and got the job done. What, what sort of got the dogs unstuck is uh, they took a number of crazy risks early on and the D's made them pay full price on the turnover. So a lot of the goals were just from silly dogs mistakes. Um, and Melbourne obviously tore them apart in the contest as well. And their pressure was sensational. The moment the dogs got the ball, uh, the D's were all over them and they they attacked them at will. Uh, their structure stifled the dogs. I was about to say the, the Bogs ball movement. <laughs> the Bogs door movement. Oh, <laughs> uh, dear. But, uh, and took away their run from them. Obviously, yeah, you see Lever, May down the line and just gone as well. So it's very hard to sort of get through that defence. Uh, Wiedemann kicked a few late, uh, which might keep him in the team. He was very quiet. He got to a lot of contests, but just couldn't quite bring them down. Uh, I saw, yeah, Adi's outfit and I just just thought there's so much balance all over the field. There's not too many weak areas and their forward line looks really good. Uh, their midfield is playing, you know, a, a really good team-oriented, uh, I suppose, game as well. Um, yeah, and their forward line is quite potent with the, the back line just being unstoppable at times. Um, the dogs wouldn't have lost too many fans, though. I think they'll learn a lot out of this game and probably how to go about it and probably not uh, pull the trigger too crazy too early to um, get this, the scoreboard um, 
yeah, uh, out of control, I guess. And Langs, you got a point about uh, Trent Rivers. Yes, well... We spoke about him last week in the um, untouched moment of the week, but he's been nominated as this week's rising star. So it's a fantastic effort for him and uh, great for Melbourne. He's been awesome all year. And just quickly on Jake Lever, I think he's actually, I heard somewhere that he's broken the record for all-time intercept possessions up until this point of a season out of any player in history. So he's absolutely dominating. (laughs) nuts. Yeah, well, I think you'll have an all-Australian jump next to his name. So, guys, that's, for this game, does, does it look like does it look like Melbourne are clearly the best team in the competition? What what does it say about the dogs? What what do we think about the result? It's pretty wild. I would have thought, look, because last week I was of the opinion that the dogs looked unbeatable with how you know ferocious and the depth we talked about, how many players in the midfield, and and it looked like Melbourne had been found out by the by um by the Crows. Um, and it didn't look like the dogs really paid attention to that. The, you know, um, they even came out and specifically told us, oh yeah, what we did to beat the demons was we kicked it low and hard and, and stopped booting it to their intercept defenders. And but dogs obviously didn't listen at the all dogs. to that. Um, I'm thinking <laughs> the they, yeah, I think demons you have to respect where they are right now. They're top of the ladder for a reason, and you know they've beaten Geelong and, and other contenders and the dogs. And um, what was their only slip up? is the Crows. So, yeah, I think they are the, the team to beat. Is, um, I, I messaged you uh, during the week about what we thought was going to happen um, in this Melbourne game, and I don't think we expected Melbourne to win in such a commanding way, but Chalk, I was going to um, bring some bacon over to your house to go with that egg on your face after last week. You said Melbourne weren't a complete team, I believe. Was that the correct quote? Or uh, I don't think that was the quote. I think <laughs> I basically just- they, they had some spots where you could see that they were uneasy at times and unsteady at times. Yeah. They don't play complete, you know, football at all times. Is what Absolutely. Said. And, uh, and I still agree with that statement. Um, I don't think they are the absolute complete team, but the dogs certainly had a uh, look. They weren't a hundred percent. Let's just say that because they were missing Trelaw. They're missing Eastman Wood. Now I think some of those outs, Steph Martin and Mitch Wallace, who needs to come back in the team um, are certainly hurting them. The Mitch Wallace is an interesting one you say there. There's talks of him basically being very frustrated, not getting a spot in this side. But if you think about it, he was their leading goal scorer last year. But I think the role he plays is more as a – he's more of a, a target than a, a ball picker. Like, if you know what I mean, they've got some really good um, guys up forward as targets. So Bruce is there actually playing well for once somehow Norton's there. And then they have these fast young guys who can scoop up the ball, but Mitch Wallace, I don't think speed is one of his talents. And I think that might be part of the reason why he's not getting a look at, but I think he is a skillful player and they should be playing him. I don't know what they're the coach is thinking at the moment, but if he's your best player and he's not quite suited for the position, maybe he's got available, give him a crack. And let him prove you right or prove you wrong. Absolutely. You'd much rather an experienced player in that position rather than an inexperienced player because at least, you know, if you've played the senior player and they don't perform, then that's when you have the excuse to drop them. But I don't think his form warranted him being dropped at the start of the year anyway. So we'll jump into the Sydney versus Carlton game quickly. Um, And it was, again, Carlton showing that they cannot finish games out. It was really frustrating. And I've heard from Blues supporters on the radio and during the week speaking to them. 
they're just going nuts over how Carlton's game plan isn't there and the messaging out of the club coming out about, you know, the week-to-week press conferences, David Teague saying the same things about learnings and, you know, training. And, you know, there was reports that he, you know, blew up at the Carlton team last week when they were almost losing against Hawthorne. And it's just not the right messaging Carlton fans want to hear right now. And that game was probably personified by Sam Doherty, who's had a great year, it has to be said, but he had some moments he'd rather forget in that game. And I think three of them led to goals in, in that moment. And one of them that was highlighted um, by David King on Fox footy was um, Patrick Cripps absolutely gassing to keep up with Josh Kennedy through the middle of the ground. And the blame was certainly held on Cripps as well. Um, he should have been using his voice to pass on the responsibility of Josh Kennedy just running freely through the middle of the ground. But Doherty's effort to uh, notice that Kennedy was a dangerous player there and then stop that run wasn't good enough. And there was another effort really uh, in the late, in the last quarter late that really cost them as well. Um, Will Haywood was a player for the Swans who hasn't been in all year, but he adds an awesome dynamic to the Swans forward line with Papley and Heaney, who are all firing at the moment as well as Buddy. And we spoke about St Kilda last week, and I think it's time to talk about some Blues senior players in the same regard um, in regarding in regards to stepping down from the seniors and giving the kids a go. Um, so what were your thoughts on maybe some of those senior players, Tears, or about Carlton in general? Yeah, another disappointing loss for the Blues. They, they, they just can't quite seem to put it all together in that, getting that four quarters consistently is uh, proving to be a, a big challenge. Uh, I think, yeah, Sydney... At home, did, did the job, did, did it nicely, and they got over the top of the Blues, who you know aren't the easiest side to play because they can definitely get on their terms and make uh, life difficult. But, yeah, there's a bit of same-same with the Blues. They, they always get told that they're young, but then there's always, um, you know, we've got some older players there as well, and somehow they're always, like, averaging to be 25 years old <laughs> uh, when you think there's just a bunch of young kids. But, yeah, obviously, um, you know, Walsh is going to be an absolute superstar and probably already is, to be honest. Um yeah, as far as personnel changes, probably I'm not the best man for it, but they um, they just they they need to you know I suppose drop players that aren't performing um, and then bring in players that show a bit of promise. I, I'm trying to think of um, yeah, they just haven't nailed those first round draft picks super well. I'm trying to think of he wears number four. I'm just trying to think of his name. Um, O'Brien, left footer, Lucky O'Brien. <laughs> Lockie O'Brien, is has he been playing? I've heard I he's been out of favour. No, Paddy Dow yeah, hasn't played. I know that. Yeah, they've got some issues. They've they've just got to not. They've just, just got to execute a bit better with, with the footy. And I suppose it's all about minimising mistakes. And often they've been highlighted with making, you know, silly defensive errors. So if they can tidy that bit up and just keep being consistent in, in ensuring that the midfield, you know, isn't all left to Walsh and Cripps. Um, they need as point, as much support there as possible. I think Mark Murphy was dropped, so it's it's all happening. Um, if, didn't if have its look, effect. Yeah, if you look at the fact that they have made the decision to drop Murphy, they they obviously are acknowledging that there are some older players that need to to make make way and, and get out of the side. Um, you consider Levi Casbolt. He came in this week because I believe uh, Lockie Plowman was suspended. So you would hope that a quick switch around there. Um, helps to some regard because I don't think Lee like, Casbolt's really performing enough to be in the side. Um, he, he, I think he got, got six disposals in the game. So he, he, he really didn't uh, perform that well. And I wonder about they've brought back in um, the young, <laughs> young Ruckman Tom DeConning, 
who showed a lot of promise last year um, in the ruck. Uh, but this year we've kind of seen a really good rise in Pitnet. As we mentioned a few weeks ago, he was actually one of the top three for hitouts in the league. Is there room for both of them in the team? If, if Pitnet's doing so well, you know, rucking at the moment, and then you've got the young fellow De Conning, who kind of really can't ruck most of the time, so you do have to rest him forward. It's an interesting dilemma in that case, um, and, and, and you, I wonder what might work better for them. I think Pitnet's been really good, and De Conning needs to be that sort of forward ruck swing, but it might change when Charlie Kerno does come back into that Carlton team. So it would be interesting to see um, how that dynamic sort of ends up uh, when Charlie does come back. Gasbolt's 31 these days, so um, I don't know why they're still persisting with him. <laughs> um, you would have thought that they're not going to win a premiership with Gasbolt in the team. So clearly, uh, I suppose that's why he's brought in for Plowman and he's not part of their best 22, but definitely they need to um, yeah, look at replacing Gasbolt, I suppose, permanently. I guess that's where Kerno's injury sort of comes into um, play there. And at least Mackay is uh, on the up and playing sensational footy. Yeah, it's a it's a great point there, Tiz. It's um, he's one of those uh, players that you we probably are thinking about that shouldn't be in the team, and I don't really know if they you know maybe Kerno comes in and that's when De Koning just takes full control of that spot that Casbolt would have, but that's what Carlton fans are asking, and that's probably what uh, Carlton need to ask themselves if that's the direction they want to go in. It's a big game in the West, though, Chuck. Uh, you obviously had a bit of a suss of this one. This is the spicy one. Yeah, I did, guys. It's an interesting one, West Coast and the Bombers. Obviously, the Bombers ended up coming up uh, by 16 points. Um, And you mentioned the rising star there, Langer, so I'll just go back to it. Absolutely, my friend. None of the Bombers guys have gotten it at all this entire season. I think Matthew Lloyd was um, a bit upset about that or brought it up a few times during the past couple of weeks that some of these Bombers guys, and particularly a few of them, are actually some of the best players. If if I'm if I'm being honest, some of these guys actually to me look like they are actually the best players in the competition for the first years. I think Cox is an absolute gun, uh, and a bunch of these players are, are showing real talent and are really exciting. Um, yet they haven't got a nod yet, and I think it brings into question the system. Do you think maybe? there should be some wild cards similar to what they're doing with the mark of the year that maybe you didn't get a vote in one round, but actually get a nod by the panel at the end of the year. Just an effort. Well, there there is a wild card. There's five wild card entries for mark of the year. So it's not completely outside of the question. We saw that Shea Bolton's mark wasn't actually the mark of the week in that particular week. And people were panicking, thinking that clearly one of the, if not the first contender for mark of the year for this season, wasn't going to get nominated and therefore couldn't win, but it will happen. But I think that's not a bad point Chuck, is to have, because there, there always is someone who'll miss out. But I think if they're good enough, the clear contenders will get a nomination during the year. So it's pretty rare that the rising star uh, deserved winner isn't nominated in that year, because there's only so many, when you get to those, you know, round 18, 19 sort of games, you start sort of scraping the bottom of the barrel. They do tend to start bundling them in for retrospect. Like, yes, I think it they was do. Last, last year, there are a few calls that go, well, he clearly wasn't the best that week, uh, but they yes. brought him in <laughs> the week before. It's an interesting one there. Um, 
But anyway, back to the actual game at hand. So the Bombers were actually down by 29 points late in the first half. I think most people thought West Coast have got this. They're at home. It's what they do. A comeback, a comeback just struck there, though. Um, I think mostly we can say it came part to Kelly and, and Oscar Allen injuries, which were pretty cruel for West Coast, uh, and they were playing two men down for the rest of the game. But we can't take it away from the Bombers, who basically just pushed through to, to get a win there. It was, it's really exciting, and it has raised concerns about West Coast's issues in closing out games. And we discussed it earlier when we were talking about um, West Coast's overall performance this year, but it's become a bit of a trend and a lot of people are finally starting to notice that they're having some trouble at the end here, guys. And is there anything that we can put this down to? Are they just unfit? Do they get overconfident in their position? What do we reckon? I think the fitness staff probably, yeah, definitely has a, a bit to probably answer for. There's been a number of times this year, as you mentioned, uh, the St Kilda game where they just had complete control. I think they were 41 points up and, they just didn't score very much at all for the rest of the game. St Kilda took over that game. Uh, Geelong, they were good to quarter time. And then after quarter time, it was an absolute bloodbath. Um, yeah, that, they just don't seem to have the same intensity um, going throughout the game. So it's a bit of a puzzling one. I haven't watched them super closely, but I've just known from key games this year that they don't finish out. I think they're worse for last quarters. They might be 18th in the competition. They've won three last quarters out of 11. So um they're definitely not getting it done um, towards the end of the game um, due to fatigue or whatever it might be. But uh, uh, it's a it's a great question and a real problem that they're going to have to deal with and try and resolve. They seem to just not be running out games, West Coast. We've seen it in a number of games this year against Geelong, against St Kilda, and now against Essendon. They just sort of fall to the ground in the last quarter and teams are taking full advantage of that. And I think teams have now cottoned on to the fact that West Coast, whether they're a fit team or not, they're just mentally or physically not there in the last quarter and they are vulnerable. And now it's it's unfortunate for West Coast, but it's they've just shown that they're vulnerable at home too. And the good thing is for Essendon is now they've just claimed this new home ground mentality for themselves with a massive win over West Coast before it looks like they'll be playing Richmond the next week in the Dreamtime game in Perth. So that's going to be a huge um, game next week, but fantastic for the, the Bombers this week to um, uh, kick a couple goals late to some some key players, Chuck, and um, just get the win. Yeah, you talk about uh, some key goals late and one kind of special one, and I think he would have been praising the moment himself. Alec Waterman steeled the deal with the last goal of the game to basically put it clear and done for the Bombers with the victory. The team that rejected them, the team that his dad the team won, that didn't want him. Yeah, they they kicked him to the curb. Said, "Mate, we don't actually think you're good enough." And he kicked the game-winning goal. Wouldn't that be a, a good middle finger to the club, if you ask me? Um, but no, it was really exciting in that regard. But another player I wanted to bring up here is Jake. I'm bringing it back, the package stringer, Whoa. because I don't think I don't think he's been the package the last few years. I feel he's been a bit. He's been an envelope. I think most people have noticed he hasn't been performing that that great. Um, he hasn't been putting that final stamp on his performances. Um, hey. Big three today, and he's looking good again. And they were crucial goals, those goals he kicked. He kicked them late in the game, A, to get them the lead in the first place, and then B, you know, a couple sealers to kind of help them, you know, win the game and, and get over it. So he kicked three in that game, and he's actually now averaged two goals a game 
so since he's come back into the side. And it's really equally impressive when you consider that both Kale Hooker and McDonald Tippman Woody are also kicking over two goals a game. It's not often that you get, you know, the same sort of guys kicking multiple goals. You know, sometimes you'll have one player who kicks a bag and then a few who, you know, kick a goal here and there. But you don't often have a good key forward and, and two, you know, medium, small forwards consistently kicking bags each week. And it's really exciting to see up in that Bombers forward line. They're looking great. And oh, who would have thought Kyle Hooker? Pretty sure he's up in the top five of the column. Might be even top say, three. But yeah. uh, you wouldn't have thought like a defender that, you know, can pinch hit up for it. He's been uh, an absolute masterclass up there. And I mean, they, these kinds of wins um, can help set a culture for a club. Like this is the new standard now for the Bombers. Uh, and, and these types of wins can kind of be the inevitable, um, the, the thing that just all of a sudden makes sense. Like remember the dogs beating Sydney in Sydney in 2016, which got them to that premiership. The Bombers aren't going to win a premiership this year, but this might be the game where it just changes the whole destiny for the club. And um, they've done a sensational job throughout most of the year. And even some of their losses, you know, only a couple of points in it. Um, So they could even be better off on the, uh, the win loss ratio, but Oh, I think, yeah, this is probably one of the biggest wins for the club in a number of years and uh, will be massive for them moving forward. Yeah. Shook, we, had... in our, sorry, sorry. in our recent uh, All-Australian team that we put up, we were having some, I would say, heated discussion about the small forward spot in that team. And I, I think eventually the majority ruled that Bailey Fritch at that time was the best small forward in the game and you were championing uh, Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody. I think it's probably safe to say now that he's the best small forward in the game. I think he is. I, I think it's, you were talking about Cal Hook, you thinking being in the top five. Hook has actually slipped to 10th and Tipper is actually eighth in the goals kicking this year. He's, he's absolutely killing it. I think he's shown that he's not just a flash in the pan sort of player that, you know, you know, people tend to go, oh, you know, they kick the highlights once a week or sort of thing. But he's actually consistent, tough. Um, he, he's willing to chase down and tackle you and put, put in a bit of the ferocity. And, yeah, I think he's shown to be an exceptional uh, small forward. And I, I think any team would want him in their side if they could. Yikes, he just went down. I remember he was literally like third, like three or four weeks ago. So it um, looks like he might have. Just not uh, kicked a bunch of bags of late, but uh, yeah, he's definitely been a, a massive, uh, I suppose, reason for them being much more competitive uh, this year and, and then looking on the up. Absolutely. Now, Tiz, it was, as I mentioned, a week in football, just a week, but there were some other games that did happen. Did you want to take us through them? There were other teams in existence over the weekend. That doesn't mean that it was a great round of footy to watch, though. But rest of round 11, uh, Geelong had control all day, uh, but only defeated the Pies by 10 points at the G. Brisbane thumped the Giants by 64 points at the Gabba. Uh, that's pretty scary. St Kilda did just enough to beat the Roos, recording a 20-point win. Hawthorne are still on Struggle Street, facing a 37-point loss against the Suns on the Gold Coast. Richmond record another brave, in inverted commas, uh, win against the Crows, skipping away to a 28-point win. To round out the round, we had Port turning up the heat and they toasted a wasteful Fremantle Dockers in Adelaide by 46 points. What were the uh, inverted comments for for, uh, the Richmond game? 
Tyson, right? Uh, it's probably passive aggressive, actually. Yeah. Um, so the Crows, obviously, they were up by, yeah, they had a good start to the game, and then Richmond, another come from behind, brave, tough performance. Sick of them, old bloody hell. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's sad enough. <laughs> so sick of them. Uh, and uh, yeah, you mentioned so. you mentioned Brisbane there, and we thought, Chuck, that this week the Melbourne Bulldogs game was going to be the one versus two clash, but I think it looks pretty likely that this Melbourne Brisbane game is Ooh. going to be the game of the season so far. Oh, hopefully it won't end up being a, the same sort of level as last this week's one was. But yeah, I, I think Brisbane are definitely up there, and it should be a hell of a challenge. Um, if we're going to start doing our tips, I might uh, say I'm actually going to be going for Melbourne. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, I, I think I've got to follow along with you, but we still don't know where this game is actually going to be played, which is the other thing too. So I think rumours of the SCG were floating around, but um, gee, Brisbane, seven straight, they've sort of just gone under the radar, haven't they? They've just smashed a few wins out. And yeah, it's probably going to be, I know they're third on the ladder, but I think this is going to be a first, first, second, essentially game come the end of the year. Um, I'll probably go the Demons as well, just based off what I saw against the Dogs. Uh, so just to clarify, gents, whether this changes your tips or not, right at this very moment, the AFL have got it scheduled at TIO Stadium. I don't think it's going to move away from uh, Darwin. So um, uh, I oh, sorry, know. not Darwin. Trafalgar, <laughs> Trafalgar Park. <laughs> Trafalgar Park. <laughs> I'd be really surprised if they did let them play in the Northern Territory. So yeah, like, I, not <laughs> I don't think Northern Territory is happening, Tyson. You sure? I'm very yeah. certain as there is a COVID pandemic. So I don't think they would let a Melbourne-based team fly to uh, Northern Territory because they probably have the strictest border uh, restrictions out of all the states in Australia. Okay. I'm just going live by the AFL website. But um, <laughs> if it, it's, a, it's an hour by hour proposition, Tyson. Absolutely. Um, St. Kilda Sydney flexible. is still booked for Marble Stadium and that ain't happening either. Yeah, that's a good call. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go. I'm going to go Brisbane uh, in on this occasion. Uh, if it's if it's warmish, I'll tip the lines. If it's not, I might lean towards the demons. But I think, yeah, the weather might permit that tip for myself. Absolutely, and as we just mentioned, uh, St Kilda versus Sydney, the game that we were meant to go to, and it's probably going to be a fizzer, but it's probably not going to be at Marvel Stadium either. And I think I'm happy to say the Swans are going to take this one away here. Yeah, I'll back in the Swans as well, I reckon. I agree. I'll be tipping the Swans. (laughs) Thanks, Dennis. (laughs) Um, This next game should be quite interesting, actually. Um, The Crows versus Collingwood at Adelaide Oval. I think this will be at Adelaide Oval. Um, I'm happy to back the Crows. Their form as of late has been pretty good. They're showing effort in a lot of games. Yeah, the Crows have been pretty good. (laughs) Despite the, Sorry, fact that, despite the fact that Collingwood did take it up to the Cats there, I think that was more or less a few junk time goals. I reckon yeah. Adelaide will take the win. I'm pretty comfortable going in the Crows here. The Pies obviously traditionally travel okay, but uh, they're not travelling super well as a club in right general. at this very moment. <laughs> in general. So yeah. um, I, like, I like what the Crows have done. And at home, I think they'll win. Yep. And without Grundy as well, boys. No, Grundy. Yeah, that's huge. That also um, helps my tip. I really think Collingwood missed, uh, obviously, Taylor Adams, but I really think Collingwood missed Bo McCreary, actually. That sort mm-hmm. of game was was lit for a small forward of his ilk. And I think we mentioned it last week that he's leading the comp for tackles inside 50 with minus three games. So it's a great effort by yeah. him. Um, next up, we've got 
Dreamtime at the O or Dreamtime in the mm. West, I believe they're coining it. And boys, I'm tipping the Bombers here. Wow. I wow, the Richmond call. Tigers. Yeah, it is a, it's a flip of the coin here, isn't it? But I, you can't go past the Tigers, can you? They just keep pulling things off. I reckon they'll get it. So yeah, my I, logic <laughs> behind that, I think, obviously the home ground, home ground in inverted commas, home ground advantage to Essen. They just had a massive win against West Coast and they'll be pumping. They're playing there again. Richmond... I didn't really like what I saw for the first three quarters against a lowly Adelaide team, even though, like I mentioned, they have been providing effort Adelaide and it took Rewalt basically to win the game for them in the last quarter and a second gamer to kick four goals out of nowhere. So Callum Coleman Jones was fantastic with four goals and Rewalt kicked five and they still only won by 32 or 33 points. Um, Yeah. I'm not a hundred percent sold yet on Richmond being back back you know what i mean but they're certainly their form has improved but i think essendon are just in ripper form at the moment fair, fair enough lang so i i uh i trust in your judgment there <laughs> i think i, I just think I, I just think richmond with the, the way they go about it a 28 point win and it was a sort of ugly win they just would have been trying to get the four points and yep. uh, as as per parkinson's law oh. um whether it was Rewalt the kick five, that it looked like 20 marks inside 50. It looks like they didn't have a lot of pressure going forward and they apply that heat and uh, teams can't cope with it. So they, yeah, they can get it on their terms when they want to and when they need to. And I think they will against the Bombers, but I hope the Bombers win. So, hey, hey Tyson, what, what's yes. Parkinson's law? We've discussed this on previous podcasts. If you just refer to every podcast <laughs> ever, is that similar to Murphy's law, Tyson, as in if it can happen, it will happen? Uh, well, it, Tigers are a bit like Murphy's Law, but it's kind of like the you got three three years to do an essay, and you take exactly three years. Tigers just they they find a way. They find yeah, a way. It just happens for them. Yeah, time time fills <laughs> the time fills for the amount of time allocated. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, the next game we have up after that uh, intellectual journey there is the Carlton Blues versus the West Coast Eagles. I think this one will probably end up being at um, Optus Stadium at well as well somehow. Um, <laughs> I'm the West Coast it. Eagle as well. And the Eagle has landed. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think West I've got to, yeah, I think, I think I've got to tip the Eagles here because Carlton just stink and I can't believe I changed my tip to them last minute before the game last week against Sydney. So, yep, they can go away, Carlton, and that's their season done if they lose this. So, Oh, okay. Uh, I'm only going by the AFL, which it's not possibly going to be the MCG. Um, if, it, if it's at the MCG, I'm going Carlton. If it's <laughs> over in the West, I'm going West Coast. Conditional tip. <laughs> it all tears goes by a fixture that was set like six months ago. <laughs> Well, how, how come they haven't updated it yet? Uh, it's because it's not confirmed the venues yet, Tyson. So just say just, TBA uh, then. Well, it hasn't been um, aid. <laughs> the the T's haven't been beat or aid. Well, I'll they need to say TBA as <laughs> as where they're playing. Rather than just saying, yeah, it's still here. Chuck. Oh, I'll be going for a West Coast. Uh, I just think that it's, it's at home they'll win. Um, is it? <laughs> and I don't think this game can be at Optus because the next game is actually at Optus, which is Fremantle versus the Bulldogs. So I think they're going to have to find another game for that Carlton, another ground for that Carlton game to be played. But Fremantle <laughs> and Bulldogs at Optus. Four teams on the same ground at once, 
two balls flying yeah. around. Yeah, trying to avoid each other. It'd be exciting as hell. That, that would you be know. insane. AFL That's crazy. That's um, I really want to see that. <laughs> people just be getting hit left, right, and center. I think we're all happy to tip yeah. the dogs all around here. Oh, the dogs. Uh, okay. <laughs> dogs and the dockers. I'm. You're right. This is just uh, awesome. Lost it. Oh, just... I think I, I think I'll tip the Western Bulldogs as well. Yeah, but Tiz going free. Oh, and Optus there. They're a good side there. I mean, the dogs will probably be licking their wounds. Um, in the past, they haven't travelled super well over in the West, uh, Fremantle specifically. Therefore, I will go the Freo Mantle Dockers. Oh, that could a... uh, kick me out of the kick, the tipping comp. Oh. Just... <laughs> He's just losing the fight. Absolutely. Well, um, boys, that pretty much wraps us up for this week, which is a relief. I think this week's just sort of taken all of our football energy out of us. And hopefully we've got the buys coming up. So we've obviously got some teams who won't be playing, but there'll be six pretty decent games, it looks like. And um, hopefully it's a much better week of football than we've had the last week, Chuck. Yeah, very excited. Hopefully we get a few wins. Uh, go Cats versus the buy. I, I love the buys because then there's just games at all weird times and there's just nothing ever on. So, oh, good Absolutely. fun. Now, for everyone listening, thank you for listening and make sure you do comment away, like and subscribe on all our platforms for all of our content. And otherwise, you'll hear from us next week. Yeah, we'll see you at Marvel Stadium, guys. <laughs> yeah, we'll see you outside on the grass. On the grass. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you follow us on Facebook and Twitter. AFL Unlimited because footy is limitless.